this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive on Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Morning. Last Sunday, we began to explore this beautiful praise psalm, Psalm 98. And if you have your Bibles with you nearby, today I invite you to go ahead and read along with us. And last Sunday, we talked about the new songs that we can sing in praise to the Lord. It begins, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gotten him victory. And it goes on in verse 3 to say, He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. But this is a psalm that gets bigger and bigger and bigger as it goes. Joy and praise is like that. It just can't be contained. All who witness it experience it. And this is how this psalm goes. Because in verse 4, it says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Now Dorothy Day, the founder of the Catholic Worker Movement, a passionate Christian for social justice, said that whenever I felt the beauty of the world in our song or story, in the material universe around me, or glimpsed it in human love, I wanted to cry out with joy. The Psalms were an outlet for this enthusiasm. Joy is evident in the world and in this psalm. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. First, the psalmist wants you to sing a new song, and then all the earth needs to join in. Join the band. Sing a song. Grab your lyre and trumpets and horns and make a joyful noise and praise to our God. It's a reminder that at the heart of our faith, at the core of who we are as believers, that our life should be rooted in praise and joy and thanksgiving. And I don't mean to say that we have to be a people that are always plastering a smile on our faith and pretending that we are always happy and we never have a bad day, but actually we do get angry at times. And there are times where anger is appropriate. We should be angry at suffering and injustice in the world. But this is a psalm that reminds us that At our core, who we are is to be a people filled with praise and joy and thanksgiving. And I hope that in some small part that coming to worship as a spiritual practice of listening and tuning in each week to worship, it's a time of rededication to recognize the goodness of God at work in the world and in your life for his steadfast love and faithfulness in your own life. That's what worship is about. And 
I hope if you, if you do anything today, if you do anything from this message, I hope that you take a moment today to give praise, honor, and thanksgiving for the goodness of God in your own life. It's important as a practice to live that out each day, to recognize it, to name it. You don't have to actually sing it out loud, but you can if you want to. To rec Sorry, Bill. To rec I saw that dirty look I got there. Uh, to recognize the goodness of God at work in your life. I hope that you will take a moment somewhere today and just thank God. District champions, a new baby in your family, a safe home, good health for that dog that loves you more than you deserve, for the beauty of creation in October Take a moment to give thanks for the good gifts in your life, for God's steadfast love and faithfulness that you see on the good days, but especially the hard ones. God is still at work. So we should be a people who make a joyful noise to God for all the earth to sing. And as our church is doing this important work of preparing for a new year of ministry in 2021. It may sound ironic to say this, being that I'm the pastor, but I happen to feel it more right now than ever before, that as we prepare for a new year of ministry, not knowing yet what the year will bring, it feels even more like an act of faith this year as we prepare for what a new year will bring. And the truth is, there are really smart theological minister types out there that are writing all kinds of things about how they think the pandemic is going to shape and impact the American church and even the church all around the world. And the truth is, nobody really and truly knows how this time is going to impact the church. But I do know that we will not be exactly the same church we were before this pandemic. And my prayer as your pastor is that we will use this time to grow more fully into the people God is calling us to be, to grow more as a church, to be the church in the world that God needs for such a time as this. This is my prayer that we will use this experience to grow more fully into the people and to the church God is calling us to be right now. And it's going to take all of us, all of us, to be the body of Christ, to shape and create this church together. But we don't have to do it alone because we have the steadfast faithfulness and love of God who is with us. There's a story in the Gospels commonly called the parable of the talents. You might remember it, that Jesus tells in, in the Gospels. And the story goes that a master leaves three of his servants to take care of his talents while he's gone. And he gives these servants various amounts. Two of them get more than the last one. The last one only gets one talent to ten for. And you know what this one does with his one talent? He buries it 
He hides it away. And you might not remember this because I actually had to look it up, but do you know the reason that one servant buried his talent? He was scared. That's the reason he gives the master. I was scared. And I happen to think that as someone who knows well what fear feels like, I can only imagine that he thought, well, there are, the other two have so much more than me. The other two have so much more. Maybe he saw that they were doing so great and things looked so good and they seemed to just be living the good life. And he said, they have so much more than me. Better to hold on than to lose it. And maybe he was scared of disappointment. Maybe he was scared of failing. And so he just decided to hold on to what he had out of fear of disappointing. And so he does nothing. Nothing. Fear is a powerful motivator. Fear can be paralyzing. Years ago, when I was just at a seminary, I had um, a conversation with a supervisor, the senior minister at the church, that was a real aha moment for me, and a lesson that I've actually never forgotten from this conversation. And I worked at Central Christian Church in Lexington, and they had a they had a grant-funded opportunity to hire three new, newly ordained ministers just out of seminary. And we were there for just two years. They called it a residency. And each week we would meet on Wednesday mornings with coffee with the senior minister and discuss things we were reading or talking about. And sometimes we would talk about our responsibilities in the life of the church that week. And during this Wednesday conversation, one of my colleagues, talented minister still to this day, every time there was something she didn't really want to do in church, she had a particular churchy phrase that she liked to use, not my gift. That's what she would say. Children's ministry, not my gift. Youth ministry, not my gift. Middle schoolers are terrifying to me, she'd say. Stewardship campaign, finance committee, not my gift, not my gift. And the truth is, this is nothing, this is not a statement about her in any way, because all of us, everybody, and especially ministers, have things we really enjoy doing more so than others. Things we uh, come naturally to us and things not so much that come naturally to us. We are clearly human. And in a world of specialties these days, ministry still very much requires that you wear a lot of different hats. Some of us, we wear better than others. And so she had this phrase, not my gift. And I guess he was in the middle of assigning us different roles for the coming weeks, and she had used that phrase. And what he said, the senior minister in that moment to her, stuck with me. And he said, you know, every time you say, not my gift, what I also hear you saying is that scares me. Scares me. As someone who knows well how fear can shape and paralyze us, it struck a nerve with me because it made me realize that 
God doesn't ask us to just do the things that come easy. God doesn't ask us to always follow the road of safe and familiar. And if we always choose the easy and safe path for our own selves, then we lose opportunities to grow. And we truly know that the road that Jesus calls us to isn't always going to be smooth and that we won't be asked to make sacrifices. We just look in the Bible to see that. Example after example, Jonah, Queen Esther, Paul, and Timothy, Jesus himself who said, take up your cross and come follow me. I keep a yellow post-it note on my desk that I've had for years and years, and it is a little quote by Thomas More. Thomas More actually got killed by Henry VIII, but this quote is a beautiful phrase that I have, and it says, the things we pray for, good Lord, give us the grace to labor for. And I keep it there on my desk to remind myself that if we want a beautiful garden, then we got to get our hands in the dirt. And if we want a vibrant church with ministries for all ages and an impact in the community locally and all around the world, then, well, you know the answer to that. Our mission statement here at church actually begins, First Christian Church is a servant church. I love that about this church. First Christian Church is a servant church. To be a church full of imperfect people who are trying to serve with their hands and their heart and their feet and their dollars and their words. To be Christ's hands and heart in the world today is no small task. And to do that, and to do that, we are called, as the psalmist says, to make a joyful noise and praise to God, to find new songs to sing of his steadfast love and faithfulness. In Tennessee, there was a lady in my church. She was one of our oldest members in her 90s, her vision failing her. She no longer drove. She's practically homebound. And I remember she would constantly ask me, who can I pray for in the church? Who needs a word of encouragement? Who needs a note? And this was her ministry. And she would tell me that there are so many things she felt she could not do for the church anymore. But she was so blessed in her own life that this was one way she could still serve. One way she could still use her gifts. And she wrote note after note and prayed the people of God through their life. What gifts has God entrusted to you? And how can you use them? Don't ever forget that you have a song to sing. You have a story to tell. So make a joyful noise to all the earth in praise of our Lord. Amen.